2: Everybody, and welcome to Imagine This. I'm Trent.
3: I'm Breshina. I'm Mackenzie.
2: And today we are also joined by Juniper McKelvey. Juniper, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
2: Well, we are also excited that you are here. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, if you would?
1: Yes, I am a writer and an actor, and I'm also a freelance nun. Uh, I have a wide range of experience, and I have had, feel like I've had many lifetimes in this one lifetime. Uh, so yes, I've worked in publishing, I was in a monastery for a while, uh, but right now I'm really focused on writing and acting for the stage.
2: And we are here wow. to talk specifically about one of Juniper's plays, and we're going to get into that, we're excited to be talking about it, but Juniper, if... I could. I would love for you to talk a little bit more about the term freelance nun because that's what everyone is going to ask about if I don't ask you about it.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yes. Because I have many interests um, it's been difficult to try to corral them into a unity and oftentimes my spirituality has felt like it's perpendicular to my career or mm. personal life. And I'm trying to be more holistic and incorporate all the parts of me. And right now I don't want to be in a monastery, but I feel in my heart very connected to the path of a monastic. And that's just a term that I decided to play around with. Um, Cause I do offer meditation teaching and coaching, and I'd like to get more guided meditation content out. I, I worked on a meditation app for a while in San Francisco, um, and I don't quite want to go that direction of developing an app, but I w- I have had some insights that I would like to share and help other people connect to what is larger in them. Uh, so yeah, I, I decided to be a freelance nun because I, I can't commit to a monastery full-time right now
2: I love that so
1: I'll just bring it with me as I travel around and and meet new people and start new conversations
2: yeah no I love That's that so cool. absolutely I and I think that our society I think our society is part of what makes that feel so perpendicular um I think y'all know but to to clarify I have a master's of divinity but I I run a theater company right so I really (laughs) feel that kind of weird struggle between how do you unify these different parts of yourself um and yeah I'm intrigued as you play with that term and see how it works for you but I I like freelance none I think that really like it rings of something it's 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 Mm -hmm. it's it's good stuff and i think it's directly relevant to this play that we're about to talk about as well which is one Mm -hmm. of the reasons i wanted you to speak to that a little bit um we are going to talk about this play it's called this too could be love it's a little bit of a romance but there's also some really meaty discussion in here I mean this is truly a dialogue play right mm-hmm. and what we mean by that is there are different genres of plays and some of them have much more action in our last episode we talked about the structure of a tragedy right mm-hmm. this is really truly a dialogue play it's just two people and it is weighty conversations and real life conversations and there's romance, but there's struggle and there's strife, but it's just them talking things through or trying to, right? Mm-hmm. They don't always connect in the way that they hope to when they're talking, but that's true to life. Um, and so we're excited to just maybe dive right in. Breshina and Mackenzie are going to perform a section of the play. It's Towards the beginning, it's these two characters first meeting and starting to interact. And I think it's going to serve as a really nice little starting point for some conversation. Yeah.
0: What are you reading?
3: No, thanks. I'm not interested.
0: In talking about books?
3: I'm not interested in your type. No offense.
0: My type. What's my type?
3: I've gone through this before. Your type is interested in me, but it's not what you think. I'm not interested in you.
0: Me? Or my type?
3: Your type. What's my type? The type who has nuns as their type.
0: With all this typing, we could have written a book together by now.
3: <laughs> hmm, funny. I'd like to go back to my studies now, please.
0: Yeah, sure. I really did just want to talk about what you're reading.
3: Really? And why is that?
0: Because you're so focused on it. It must be good. And I always like to get recommendations for good books.
3: Well, you wouldn't like this one. Try me. It's The Mirror of Simple Souls by Marguerite Port. Unless you're Catholic or a scholar of religious or medieval history, you wouldn't know who she is, nor would you be interested in the text.
0: Oh. Okay, I don't know who she is, but if the book's interesting, I might pick it up off the shelf if I saw it at Fabled. But no, you're right. You are. I don't tend to go for medieval stuff unless someone recommends it. So what makes the book so interesting for
3: you? Why do you ask?
0: Oh, I've got this disease. It's called curiosity. It can be contagious, so you're right to keep your distance.
3: Now you're just being sarcastic. Whether or not I want to talk to you right now doesn't prove or disprove how curious of a person I am.
0: It doesn't, but it's the only info I have to go on at this point. I have to go now. Okay, I'll be here most Mondays around the same time if you ever want to talk books.
2: Thank y'all. Um. I'm sorry, I'm like falling in love with the play a little bit all all over again just hearing Mm -hmm. y'all read it aloud. The conversation flows so freely between these two characters and this is their first time Mm -hmm. meeting each other, right? And you can already feel how it's written this little bit of chemistry. It's like not a full connecting point but like you can just tell that something is starting to bubble, you know? Um, I'd love for y'all to think about the characters and maybe we can talk about them here in a second before y'all talk about the characters juniper i would love for you to weigh in just a little bit about why this play um i think that's a really good place to start obviously it relates in some part to your own story because one of the characters is a nun and there's these conversations between inez who has chosen this life of monasticism and Alice, who does not have a a faith walk in her own life particularly. I think she describes as agnostic, right, as opposed to atheist. Um, But the two of them seem an unlikely pair, and yet you've placed them in conversation with each other in a pretty intentional way. So could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so this play started with me hearing this dialogue that we just read of their first meeting and right because i am very organic in my process i do try to not overthink things right away or i don't start with an outline or a specific point that i even want to tell i just start getting a feel for characters and i start hearing dialogue but What was clear to me as I was hearing this dialogue is that two minds are meeting, two people who have very sharp minds and really live from their mind. And I guess I got curious about, right, this unlikely pairing of people who, you know, at first glance would get into a raging debate or just not be interested and not talk to each other at all but how can people who are coming from these different perspectives get interested and curious in each other and really finding a connection in that that even if they don't have the same opinion they realize they're drawn to someone who has who also has a very powerful mind and there's that desire that's getting sparked to connect with another mind
2: so i'm curious yeah no i and i love that you Say that for you, it's about getting to know the characters as opposed to outlining a plot, right? I always yeah. think it's really interesting to hear how different writers approach a play. So I'm curious. In your case, it's this meeting of the minds. Did you know in the beginning that it was go- that the story was going to have a romantic bent? Did you intend to write a romance, or did that come about as you wrote dialogue and got to know these characters?
1: Yeah, I think I did pretty quickly have a sense that they, this excitement that they feel in meeting another mind that can challenge them and elevate them, that can very quickly lead to romantic feelings as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think then I did start to get curious about, well, what is romance? And of course, we all have the rom-com idea that, you know, we all know about and has been discussed. Um, Right. So again, it wasn't like I had this plan to, oh, I have to redefine romance or tell a new story about romance. But I I was curious to, yeah, I guess go beyond what we, the first impression of romance and yeah, kind of explore and question and could it show up? between two people who, right, aren't very physical with each other, they they aren't dating each other in a traditional sense. Uh, but yeah, just what is that interplay between the mind connection and then when or where, or how does that lead to a heart connection and mm. people wanting to get to know each other with more depth and more feeling? Because yeah, I guess that is, what I've explored a lot of my own life and in the monastery is that yeah are the mind and the heart or I say heart you could say soul or spirit when do they work together and when are they at odds with each other and I think each of these characters has different experiences with that and they're trying to negotiate that in their own life and then when they meet each other there's a question of oh can we explore this together and walk the path side by side, or are we always gonna be fundamentally at odds and just not quite able to bridge that gap?
2: And mm-hmm. I think maybe this is where I'd love for Brishina and McKenzie to weigh in as well. As you know, I mean, you only embodied the character for like a second, right? Mm-hmm. But I would love for you to kind of weigh in just at, maybe as actors, put like your actor lens on for a second. What is interesting about this play? I love, Juniper, you talking about this, like, starting from meaning of the minds and, like, having this intellectual connection and then that leading to a more romantic connection. I feel like we don't often talk about that route into relationship, um, Mm -hmm. but it's an important one I think. I think being intellectually matched is an incredibly important part of a relationship, but we rarely talk about it like starting there, mm-hmm. right? So how how does that feel as actors embodying that type of story? What's interesting or unique or important to talk about in that regard?
0: Um honestly, you like you're saying you don't always get this like kind of dialogue in romantic stories. Um and that's kind of a letdown because our relationships are so much more than just like physical things, and it's so just—it's so much more than just like biting wit <laughs> all the time. It's a mixture of both, um, and I feel like this play actually does a very interesting job of like putting those two together, um, even though it is mostly dialogue. Um, there's still this like aspect of they like each other, and like there's a very there's a very like. It develops in a very interesting way because they don't touch each other for a very long time in the play. They're just kind of like talking. And uh, that's not how we think of like a traditional starting of a relationship. So it's like it's very interesting as an actor to be like, okay, I can't touch someone. How do I portray love then if I can't if I can't show them if I can't show the audience through like the touch that's happening, how do I show the audience that I like this character mm. and I like this character a lot and then I love this character and I think that's something that actors don't always have to like work on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a big pet peeve about that because I am a huge fan of rom coms and I think that one of the things that we miss so much is chemistry. Yeah, and this play would have actors focus heavily on the chemistry that you have together on stage um and how do you convey romantic chemistry with just tension
2: Mm, i love that yeah
0: i
3: did too
2: (laughs) yeah i I think the
3: dialogue oh i'm so sorry no
2: mackenzie go ahead (laughs) i was just gonna say like i i love that Point, and I mm-hmm. think like as an actor, as a director, like those are the kind of challenges that are exciting, right? An mm-hmm. an exciting problem to solve on stage isn't always like a spectacle or how do we make this huge thing happen, or sometimes it's just how do you show that two characters are falling in love without them even touching? Yes. Like that is such a fun problem to get to solve as a creative team and as actors. Mm-hmm. Um, but McKinsey, weigh in. Sorry, I interrupted.
3: Oh. Well now you were now what you were saying is like, oh, it's like slow burn romance tropes, um, fan favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was gonna say that I think the the dialogue in this play lends itself so beautifully to creating chemistry. And as an actor I was very struck by just how much of a sense of character you get just from the dialogue on the page like I think I, I it's, just, it's just so informative of who these characters are mm-hmm. um and very telling as an actor like there's just so many like hints of like <laughs> what the, what the is, like for um and so I just I found that very it was very easy to work with um and very informative and I really appreciated that and I loved it
2: So maybe what we can do is jump ahead in the script a little bit. There's one more section that we talked about um, reading. Yeah, I put... They'll have to cut this part out of the podcast while we find what part we're going to read. I put it in the email.
3: Oh. 40 to 41? Thank you. I think... (laughs) but not the last line usually
2: you you don't have to cut things out of the middle but you will in this one
0: it's me 40 to 41 almost there okay there i am
3: okay good do do you want to start with you would make an excellent nun at the top of the bottom of 39 sure yeah
2: yeah okay so We are fast forwarding a little bit in the play. So some of the things that we just talked about in terms of, you know, the building of the chemistry and things, we're like skating past a little bit here. But I think that this is a really lovely moment for us to alight upon in this conversation of the relationship that has developed. But there's also now, and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more. And after we've read this scene, there's... I love the term that Juniper used in the beginning, perpendicular, you know, Mm -hmm. there are these perpendicular forces at play where yes, they're starting to feel this budding romance, but there are also still deeply felt ideological differences. And how do you reconcile those two things and respect one another in the midst of all of that? So all of that said, let's dive in and read another section of this wonderful little play.
3: You would make an excellent nun.
0: You'd make a really good teacher. I never thought I'd be interested in prayer or what some guy in the middle ages had to say about it, but you're making it interesting.
3: It helps to have a curious, intelligent student.
0: Oh, stop, you're making me blush.
3: (laughs) I I don't think teachers are supposed to hold hands with students.
0: But what about friends? holding hands.
3: Do you hold hands with friends? Yeah. Oh, I I wouldn't know. My family doesn't show a lot of affection. I saw groups of friends in high school and college sitting on each other's laps, holding hands, hugging, but it never seemed like I fit into that.
0: So you never hugged your friends or
3: held hands with them? I uh, I don't I don't want to talk about this anymore. You could hold my hand if you want. Not unless you want that too. Can we please stop talking about... I have to go now. What? Wait,
0: I didn't mean to offend you. I just wanted to show you how much I enjoy your company. Please don't be mad.
3: I'm not mad. I really do have to go. Sister John can't be left waiting.
0: It's only 11.30,
3: we have 20 minutes left. We can go back
0: to talking about prayer, I'm sorry.
3: No, I I really have to go. I forgot I have to pick up something from the store and it's easiest to do the shopping alone before Sister John finishes her therapy. It's
0: okay, you know, you don't have to be afraid.
3: Afraid? I just really have to go to the store.
0: Okay, if not afraid, you seem upset and I think we could talk this through. Especially since, I mean, in the convent, you might not have someone to talk to about.
3: I I really have to go to the store.
0: Yeah, okay, sure. See you next week.
3: Bye. Mm.
2: Before we check in with our actors again, Juniper, I would love to ask you, and I think it's related to what you've already talked about, This meeting of the minds could have been over a number of subject matters, but it's about theology. So what for you was interesting about kind of this intersection of romance and theology or spirituality? Why these things intersecting?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And this is not a final answer because I'm still exploring this in my own life. But in my own experience and in the comparative religious studies I've had, the spiritual path can really parallel the romantic path. There can really be these feelings of the sudden onrush of enthusiasm and fascination and just feeling like you're climbing and you're on top of the world. And then often there is some kind of disruption or disillusionment you're not sure anymore there's conflict um in my own case it felt like there was just a lot of distance between well yeah the the, the romance had faded it felt like <laughs> um so for a long time i've just been interested in you know reading stories of mystics and other spiritual seekers and trying to understand this flow or this path. Um, so it was just very natural for me to kind of already be thinking and feeling a lot about this. But what I was really exploring with Inés, I think, is, again, she she's very much a sharp mind. I, I view her mind as like a diamond. It's just piercing and multifaceted and exacting. And if that's the only way that you live, eventually you feel the disconnect with not being in the rest of your body, with wanting more of an intuitive soul pulse. And I, it, people can get caught in just the intellectual side. And so that's, I think what I'm exploring in this play is what kind of disruptions cause someone to start to think, oh, maybe there's, maybe there are feelings. Maybe I could live a more feeling based life. And right. In this case, I thought adding some actual romance with another person is a good way to explore that dynamic of, am I going to stay on my purely intellectual path? And, you know, understand everything about the world through intellect. Or am I going to broaden my experience and really connect with another person and potentially do that exploration with them?
2: Yeah, I think that's really fascinating. I, I, I think that all of us have kind of a primary mode through which we move through the world. And I think that sometimes a hesitancy to utilize the other aspects of ourselves is, mm-hmm. is often due to fear. Right. Mm -hmm. If I'm an intel, if I'm someone who moves through the world intellectually, well, sometimes feelings are scary. Sometimes, like, that intuitive sense of my own body knowing what's real stands in conflict with what I have in my head. And that discontinuity doesn't feel like the integration that it actually is. It feels like something that's like pulling apart. Right. Mm -hmm. Or if, I mean, me in my real life, I'm more of a feelings-based person. And so sometimes like the things that I know in my head are what I'm more scared of, right? And so Mm -hmm. I, I think that all of us have that disconnect that we have to then solve. And I think it often is in the face of another person that we start to feel that. And sometimes it's a pulling to right we're pulled to someone who is encouraging us to like integrate ourselves more fully but sometimes it's scary and we push away from someone who is forcing us to integrate ourselves more fully so i think what you're describing is really very human and what better than you know theology and spirituality to like really bring that home because it's really what we're all seeking Mm -hmm. um Christina and McKinsey, how does that feel? What Juniper has said, what I have said, what would you add to it? What would excite you about that as an actor? How would you chime into this? Ooh.
0: Well, I grew up in Christian school for a little bit there. And <laughs> it's very funny that I think the, like the way that I always saw the romantic relationship between you and Christ was Jesus is my boyfriend. Um, And that sort of like very weird sentiment that people had about like their purity rings and that sort of thing was like, I'm saving myself for Jesus. It was very strange. Um, But I think that was kind of that's kind of a bastardization of that sort of romantic feeling relationship that juniper was talking about in that it just very like it sort of boils it down as much as it can for it to be digestible to the point where it's something completely different we use it sort of as a like manipulation because it was always jesus and my boyfriend was always set around like purity ring conversations um and celibacy conversations and that sort of thing and so it was used as like a tool um basically to say that like oh you should subvert your sexuality and just just focus on jesus um and so i think that um there but there is an aspect of your relationship with god that does sort of mirror romance where you feel like you're falling in love with the sentiments that God brings into your life sort of thing. Um, I just think that the way that we kind of see it in mainstream Christianity today um, is not what's supposed to, not what it's intended to be Mm. sort of thing. Um, And that's super interesting. I think on an actor perspective, because this play has a religious character um, who's dealing with actual romantic feelings. Um, And she says in the, in the play that like, i don't necessarily think that that's an issue for me but then it turns out that it might kind of be um there's a little bit of like push and pull there within her and so i think embodying that as an actor um that would be super interesting to like see how that all fits together your love of religion and then your like of a new person and then possibly love of a new person like how how do those work together
2: well, and I there's a few interesting things about what you're saying. You know, mm-hmm. I also um, grew up in Christian school, um, but I am a boy and not a girl, <laughs> so Jesus was not my boyfriend, um, yes. right? But the, so it's yeah. interesting because yeah. what you're bringing up. It's a very gendered way of talking about spirituality and mm-hmm. religion, and so you know, whereas you, um, you know, have to wear purity rings and Jesus is your boyfriend, I'm just supposed to like respect women, kind of, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, but I mean, really, the bar's so much lower. Yes. For yes. male Christians, it just is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and so it's really interesting to me that in this play, it's two women, mm-hmm. right? And. I think it's not, um, I'm not saying anything crazy here when I say that, like, the fact that it's two women would raise even more eyebrows among Christian circles. Mm -hmm. And I I love that. But what I love moreover is that, and um, I might have you weigh in on this, Juniper, but I think that you've written a play that's like, in literal sense, an LGBTQ play because it's two women who are having romantic feelings for each other. But that's yes. like also somehow not the primary point, which I think is wonderful. And Nez really talks almost more about just having a romantic feeling for a person period and how that's against her vow of monasticism. than she does about the fact that Alice is a woman specifically Like, you know, and not Mm -hmm. that that doesn't come up, but there's almost something more for her. There's something more about just like this romanticism of humans and whereas she's taken a vow as a monastic. And that seems to be the larger issue for her than the gender of the person who she has romantic feelings for, which I think is a really interesting way to frame several different conversations around faith and spirituality.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. And I, I do want to hear Mackenzie's thoughts as well, but I um, can say that...
0: Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness more than just melatonin all these ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. that's o l l
1: y.com
3: little wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus
1: I'm in a period of emotional people
3: I tell all the oh, I don't care
0: crap a little adventure where are you going
1: I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia
0: Let's do it goes a long way <laughs>
3: Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can
0: hurt, but life is sweet.
3: Little Wing, rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Plus. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu.
1: This episode is brought to you by Bumble. Anais, I feel her as a very complicated person. And she has, she kind of lucked out earlier in her life that I'd say she's more on the asexual spectrum and her interpretation of religion and spirituality was more in line with what you all were talking about with the mainstream that there's kind of a a dichotomy or a simplification that Jesus is your boyfriend or the dude you respect. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so for her, it kind of seemed like she was right on track because she wasn't automatically feeling romantic or sexual feelings for really anybody. And so for her that was comforting in a way that, oh, that just reconfirms my path to be a nun if I wasn't meant to be a nun, wouldn't I be Googling people or getting ideas about dating them? Uh, so she is really shaken up and by this experience, this feeling, these feelings that she's developing. She actually wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she hadn't felt like mm-hmm. she, before she hadn't felt like she had to choose between sexuality or a fulfilling romantic life or The religious path that was just she was on one track, uh, but yeah, the, I think that is accurate. That it wasn't so much about coming out or experiencing gender, it was just holy shit. I'm developing feelings for any human, and yeah. mm-hmm. that's not what was supposed to happen. I'm you know, eyes on the prize, eyes on God. <laughs> yeah, I heard that one before. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: Mackenzie weigh in here you were reading for Inez so what What do you want to add to the conversation specifically about that character or more generally about I mean this last scene that we read had a little bit more theology in it we're talking about prayer there's the issue of the holding hands versus not How, mm-hmm. where do you want where would you like to weigh in here
3: um, so I also came from private Christian school.
2: Oh my background. gosh, three private Christian school kids wow. hosting a podcast together. Wow, we survived
3: purity culture. <laughs> um, so I mean that was definitely like in the forefront of my mind while reading this. Um I just and like so reading like through the end, it gets like very complex. There's a lot of complex Theology and humanity that are discussed um, as the play goes on. And I would just be like really interested to go through the process to fully coming to grips with this character, because I think there's like a lot to unpack. Honestly, with either of them, I think they're both incredibly complex. Um, and I just feel like there's a lot to unpack there that I probably couldn't even begin to do in this episode. So, Well,
2: yes. give it a little bit of a go. Pick like one thing you <laughs> want to unpack.
1: Trent, uh... yeah,
2: that's what I do. I'm really good <laughs> well, at putting people on the spot. It's a spiritual gift.
1: I'll give you one moment to think about it by adding that. Um, at a certain point while writing, it did become clear to me that Ines is much smarter than I am in terms of. Again, she she's that diamond mind. So her studies have been very exacting. She's thrilled by the intellectual pursuit she sees many layers yeah she's just smarter than i am so i'm i also struggle to connect with her sometimes and really know all the layers cuz it she's just in her own her own world in a way <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, like, really as fascinating. an fascinating. Oh my gosh, Trent, I keep interrupting you. I am so sorry.
2: No, I would just say this fascinating because it, like <laughs> the idea of a writer writing a character who they know is smarter than them is just yeah. a fascinating idea to me. But mm-hmm. Mackenzie, keep going.
3: Oh, wait. Oh man, I forgot what I was going to say. Enneagram. Oh, I'm an Enneagram 4, right? And so I feel everything incredibly deeply, incredibly intensely. And so like it was... It, it was simultaneously complicated for me to try to wrap my head around her as a character but also the entire time I understood entirely what her goals were and her thought process was and I just think that that is reflective of just incredibly brilliant character writing. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I'm, so yeah, and I'm also an Enneagram for Mackenzie and I uh, just feel our feelings together all the time. <laughs> um, but there's something really interesting about a character like Inez because I don't think it's that she's not feeling all of the feelings. Mm-hmm. I think it's that she has repressed them real yeah. good, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I think there's something really interesting about the connection of repressing emotion and repressing sexuality and not to say that necessarily she did repress it juniper i think it's really interesting the comment you made about her being likely on the asexuality spectrum but i think you know and it is a spectrum though and so mm-hmm. it i think that this play almost points to the fact that like ooh, yikes maybe i'm not as far down the asexuality spectrum as i th- thought if I'm feeling these feelings right and if she grew up in the type of Christian circle that would encourage her to become a nun for example or that she would even be exposed to this option for her life then likely having feelings for a woman was certainly not an option right I mean I repressed my sexuality so good I mean I did not come to, I didn't have feelings for a man going through middle school and high school. I just didn't have feelings for anyone. I, like, no, it was just, like, not a thing. I was like, ah, oh, we just live in our life. I don't understand, like, I'm supposed to be attracted to these women, but, like, we're just friends. I don't understand. Like, we get along great. What? what, what, what? Mm-hmm. You know, and then I got to college, still nothing, and, like, I was 23 years old, or, oh, like, on the cusp of becoming 23. At the end of my 20- third year of life. I was still 22. And I've. that's when I finally came out to myself and was like, oh, wait, I have feelings for men. That's why this has been so weird all this time, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think Inez, it's really interesting because she has this clear emotional repression that might just be part of her personality more than mm-hmm. anything. We all know people like that, right? Mm-hmm. But then I wonder, and as like an actor and a director, it would be interesting to think through the connection between this emotional repression and this sexual repression, or if there's one, you know, because in different people that connection is more or less and it shows up differently. Mm -hmm. I just, I think that there's a lot to unpack in her, that is relatable to a variety of experiences, right? Like I see myself in her in terms of like my own journey of understanding my sexuality, but then other people are gonna relate to her more in the sense of like, oh, I relate to things intellectually and emotions scare me too, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that she could almost, I love you keep talking about how multifaceted she is, Juniper. I almost Mm -hmm. wonder like if in different productions she's different because of who's embodying her and how they're reading her in the text.
0: Yeah. That would be super interesting. I I really love that. I it's very interesting to me that y'all are talking about Ines um with her intellectuality uh, or her intellectual like her her need for Intellectual stimulation sort of thing She is very intellectual and sort of cerebral In the way that she thinks about things Which is interesting because that's normally The character that I will identify with Is the Mm -hmm. one who's more logic based But I was actually more I identified more with Alice In this one of like I just I just want to talk to you. You're just like very interesting and I just kind of want to know what that's about. Um and then I have some opinions, that sort of thing, but Alice feels more like she's led by her emotions. I think because she makes a lot of the first moves, like she's the first one to hold hands, um and the first one to be like we should kiss, possibly? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh you know like I I thought that Alice's, like, approach to what was happening was just kind of like, well, I mean, like, yes, you have your religion, but how do you feel? What what feels more correct to you? Mm-hmm. And that was super, I love that. I thought that was super interesting to have a character who's like, no, I don't, I don't need to feel things. That's okay. And have somebody be like, but what do you feel? Yeah. Because you do have feelings. So I thought that was interesting.
2: Alice uses the term narrator. She says yeah. that she's like, Inez, that's not you talking. That's a narrator talking, right?" And I think <laughs> yeah. that's such an interesting way to put it. How mm-hmm. so it's easy sometimes in your own life to like be this third party sometimes, mm-hmm. right? And it's yeah. like, no, 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 no. I don't want to know like what you're thinking on looking your life. I want to know what you are feeling, embodying this life that you're living, mm-hmm. and how those are sometimes two different things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I love that.
2: Mm. Juniper, what is this stirring for you as we just had a little bit of conversation here?
1: Yeah, yeah. that's... That was also clear to me in the writing that Alice does also very much have her intellectual side. She's more insecure about it because she hasn't gone through the traditional routes of, you know, an exacting education at university. Um, She's more self-taught and, but nevertheless, I mean, she can really match wits with ace on a number of topics, not the nitty gritty of theology. But yeah, she is more, see, I picture her as a tumbleweed a little bit more. Yeah. She has more of a swirl of emotions and she's not afraid to say that or act on it in the rest of her life. Uh, this is, you know, we're really only getting a little slice of her life in this play, kind of who she is in these conversations that she has with this nun once a week. But yeah, she is also trying to integrate that for herself, I think. Can she be confident in her intellectualism? Or is it, right, not real because she's not a professor or whatnot? Um, But yeah, she... She does have more of an emotional edge to her, so I'm glad that was mentioned because that also brings some challenges to Anais, and I like that interplay.
0: I also just like that women can be emotional in a show and not be called hysterical or crazy. I love that.
2: (laughs) It's because there are no men in the show. Yeah. (laughs) But we really,
0: like... That that goes into a larger idea for me is that we have this idea that you can't be intellectual and passionate about something, and that's just not true. (laughs) If I'm yelling at you about theology, I'm really passionate about it, but just because I'm yelling doesn't mean that my argument is any less valid.
2: Yeah, on a personal level, theology is one of my favorite things to yell about. (laughs) I did it just the other day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) love that love that for you but that's something that like being an activist is very present for me mm-hmm. um working in diversity and inclusion a lot of the times they'll tell you like you have to make sure your argument makes complete sense and even still when you go in sometimes people will be like um but you were kind of emotional like you were crying a little bit so we're just going to completely disregard what you said and that's frustrating mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this play, like, finds the balance between the two. And it's like, no, they can coexist. Yeah. Like, Ines never tells Alice that, like, you're being irrational. And, yeah. you know, shuts down her argument. They they comp- continue the argument. Yeah. And they, compl- like, take it to its fruition. And they're like, okay, we had that argument. We're going to go on to the next thing. I love sort that. Sort of idea. Yeah. So I like that a lot.
2: Do y'all have any final thoughts about the play or the characters before I ask Juniper a final question?
0: Uh, It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) It was a fun read, and then it was not so fun at the end. (laughs) Uh uh (laughs) But it was really good.
2: So, Juniper, my last question that I would love to ask you is what if you have to choose one thing? Because there's a lot of things but if you had to choose one thing, what would you hope is the takeaway lesson or question or conversation? If someone read this play or saw this play performed, what are you hoping that they continue to mull as they go about their life afterward?
1: It's uh, a good question. Well, again, because this came to me more intuitively and organically, I didn't set out to solve a problem or write have a very specific takeaway for audience members but as I've been working on it and then you know had time away from it um what I keep going back to is this question I've had in my life for a long time which is what is my authentic path I mentioned earlier that certain elements of my personality felt perpendicular. I have a lot of spiritual spiritual curiosity. Um also I'll just add I didn't really grow up, grow up Christian myself. Actually I'm I'm that I was in a more Buddhist monastery. Um but right is do you have to pick and choose? Can you combine these different elements of your life and Again, that goes to the intersection of romance and theology. Ines and has come from a tradition that you also touched upon with purity rings, that these forever must be separate. You know, you're religious mm-hmm. or you're romantic. And that is how a lot of modern people still feel as well. So I think what came to me ultimately is wanting to explore this idea of what is your authentic path? How do you know if you've chosen the right path? And I do think there's ambiguity in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for a while, I did feel like I had to really specify a nice sexuality a lot more and just, you know, make it very clear, like, you're a lesbian who's repressed yourself your whole life. But it actually wasn't that straightforward for me or clear. Because, yeah, I think I do want this element of questioning to continue for the actors and directors who are involved in the show, the audience members, yeah, for them to walk away and wonder, does Anais choose the right path? Does, is she repressing herself? And yeah, what is a beautiful, authentic life, really? Like, you know, we all like to think we know (laughs) what it is for ourselves and other people, but you know, is it possible to respect someone's life path, even if it is very different from yours, and you you personally think that they're missing parts of life or they're suppressing themselves? Yeah, I think it's a bit of an open question. And um, like I said, I did struggle with that in the writing process. I, part of me wanted to just nail it down and get some more simple answers, but these characters eluded that quest
2: yeah I and I, I love that I think it's okay for the hope to be that audiences take away a certain level of ambiguity and they have questions about these characters I think a character mm-hmm. that sticks with someone is a character well written mm-hmm. even if that means that not all the answers are provided
3: okay. yeah I agree
2: Yeah. so this too could be love by Juniper McKelvey it is A romance wrapped in theological quandary, which is not a sentence that you probably would expect someone to say. But that is exactly how I would describe this play. And it is lovely. And if you want to read something about people trying to find their authentic path, I love that terminology, then this is a play worth reading. Yeah. So, Juniper, thank you for joining us. This was so fun. You are yeah, a fascinating human being who's written a fascinating play.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, and thank you so much for inviting me, and it was great to hear the readings. Thank you to the actors. And, yeah, you all really incited some new thoughts on this for me, and it was interesting to hear where you're coming from, with the Christian background that you all have. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's kind of reignited some some feelings I have about this play.
2: <laughs> well, good. We and that's the beauty of playwriting, too, right? Is a play like this is not it's not completed. I mean, it's a draft of it has been completed. Right. But there's still mm-hmm. work being done on it and conversations like this are part of what develops a play and that, and that's why we do what we do. That's why we want to highlight exciting new writers like Juniper on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and the iteration that we've read um, is maybe not the iteration that you will at some point read or see, which is part of the exciting thing about life of plays.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a living piece of art. And um, something you said earlier, I I love the idea of the different actors and different directors would have slightly different approaches and different points in the play that would stand out as highly significant to them. And, you know, they'd really punch the emotion there and other productions, it could be a really different look and feel. So I mm-hmm. I like, again, that flexibility, that ambiguity. Uh, so it's been really, really interesting talking with you all. Thank you so much.
2: Well, thank you for joining us. We appreciate your presence and your writing um is there somewhere that people could find out more about you or your work if they were interested
1: yes that is a good question I do have a website it is I think it might always be a work in progress but um yeah it's just part of my name it's junimick.com and uh yeah I have some writing samples a little bit more about my freelance nun services and Yeah, that's, that's my hub.
2: I love it. So junimick.com.
1: Yeah. J-U-N-I-M-C-K.
2: There you go. If you want to find out more about her and her work, that's where you go. Mackenzie, tell them where they go if they want to find out more about the rest of us.
3: You can follow us on Instagram at imagine this theater pod theater with an R-E or at wild imaginings Waco. That's also our website or through our wonderful producers, rogue media networks
2: and thank you all for joining the three of us and Juniper McKelvey to talk about This Too Could Be Love as always we enjoy discussing theater and new work and in this case romance and theology Um, (laughs) but thanks for conversating with us in order to imagine this